Welcome to the Leadership Playbook. My name is Emily Hawkins. How I used to introduce myself is, I have 15 years in supply chain, creating and leading teams, streamlining processes, managing millions of dollars. Except that's not what I do anymore. I'm a career and life coach. And I wanna take you on the journey of how to lead yourself, how to take your career to the next level, whatever that may be. I'm gonna give you tangible advice on exactly how to do what you want to do. Lead and love your life. Hello and welcome to the Leadership Playbook. Today, we're gonna to get happy, my friends. And I actually have an expert on this. I think it's amazing that there is such a thing as an uh, expert on happiness. And his name is Dr. Scott Glassman. And I say doctor. Are you a doctor? I am a doctor, not a medical doctor. I am a psychologist. Uh, so yeah, you often... get to say, trust me, I'm a doctor. I love uh, actually never say that. <laughs> you should. Uh, Scott and I actually met at an event. I was lucky enough to sit next to this amazing human being and hear all about his business. Um, I say business, what he teaches and how he has come to be the happiness guru that he is. And I wanted to share him with you because I enjoyed our three days together so much. I left the event that we were a part of, which he didn't present until one of the last days. And I was blown away that I had the honor and privilege of sitting next to you after you shared your story and your data. I am a data junkie. I love when people are like 22%, da, 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 da. Like, I love that. So you are my people. And I know that my people will love you as well. And Scott actually has written a book as well. A Happier You is what it's called. And I am the lucky recipient of a signed copy of this book. I'm very excited about that. Um, and so I just wanted to introduce you guys and have Scott tell us a little more about himself, about his happiness journey and what this book is all about. So Scott, welcome, 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 welcome to the Leadership Playbook. Emily, thank you. You're so kind. And I was so fortunate to meet you at the Mastermind and you just have a way of making people feel good about themselves and welcome. And I just uh, found that to be one of the beautiful gifts of those days that we uh, that we spent together. Um, but my happy happiness journey, I guess, begins all the way back, you know, in childhood, as as all of our journeys do, right? And I would say that I had a a fairly good childhood. You know, everything provided for me, and was like nothing. Really, didn't want for anything, except I began having some problems with peers when I was in seventh grade, and you know, really became a victim of bullying, and that shifted my entire way of thinking about who I was in, in a negative way. So my beliefs about my worth, my competence, my um, ability to be successful in the world, my sense of hope were all really shattered by this ongoing bullying that I experienced in seventh grade, became very depressed. Um, I had never been depressed before that point. And so trying to understand what was happening uh, ultimately led me to be really interested in how we sustain our own sense of well-being and worth and, and how do we prevent ourselves from going 
falling into these negative spirals despite the events that happen around us that we have no control over, um, like bullying, or it could be a loss, or it could be a sudden health scare. Um, and we are challenged, I think, without having a guide, without, unfortunately, psychology is a great guide that we have. But if you don't have a basis for understanding, like, where where can I go? How do I look at my inner life in a different way? Then we can remain lost. And I would say I, I remained lost for quite some time. It wasn't until uh, I really reached college and found psychology as a major and began working with Dr. Martin Seligman. These are before the days of positive psychology. Dr. Seligman is widely known for establishing the field of positive psychology in the in the late 90s. And I began to find this idea of resilience and began to look at how our thoughts affect our emotions and how both your thoughts and your emotions affect what you do every day, your choices. So um, it's been a really wonderful expansion from that point in wanting to become a psychologist, uh, developing a program on happiness where I teach at the Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine in 2017, uh, where I took all of the best themes and the best evidence-based areas that I saw in positive psychology and put them in a sequence uh, within the seven-week program to systematically help people develop what I call positivity reflex, where instead of, despite what a trauma or negative experience you may have had, we can still develop a habit of looking for the good in ourselves, in our lives, and then moving from that point into some of the evidence-based pathways of feeling good, like gratitude, like looking at laughter, lightness, uh, looking at activities that make us feel uh, happy and uh, give us meaning and purpose in our lives, uh, kindness and love, all of those different pathways we can access. And it stems from finding a foundation of what am I doing with my attention from moment to moment? What am I placing my attention on? so that i can feel in more in control of my of my mood of my the way i'm thinking about things the way i respond to stress and the the negative things that happen to me each day uh so it has been i thank you for asking me that because it has been quite a journey and and it's something i practice every day it's you know i'm like everybody else you know i have days where i feel down and i feel like i'm climbing a mountain and I think I look at those days as learning opportunities and opportunities to practice what I preach, so to speak. So to applying this, <laughs> the seven-week program and my morning practices, my evening practices based off of that um, are really essential for me in maintaining my my sense of well-being, how I can show up in the world, mm -hmm. right? And how we can provide value on a day-to-day -day basis because life is short, right? We, we don't have a lot of time here. It, it goes by in the blink of an eye. And, and that has been, you know, my, my journey with happier you with positive psychology. I have had the really good fortune of transitioning from a role where I was the associate director of a mental health counseling program to becoming the creator and director of a master of a positive psychology program at the Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine. So I know that we're going to want to get into leadership and positive leadership. And I'm just so excited to have created a, 
a, a place where people can come and learn about positive psychology and see how they can apply it in their coaching work, in their practice, maybe moving on for a doctoral degree. And I get to be uh, the conductor and bring all of these great threads in positive psychology and great experts in the field together over the course of this year uh, for uh, for students. And starting, uh, starting this, well, not really starting, but really continuing this movement of thinking about as a society, how can we continue to evolve in positive ways? Yeah. One of the most shocking things that you mentioned in your presentation to us was when you put out positive energy, how many people it affects. And I would love if you would share that. Um, and you mentioned it from social media and literal face-to-face -face confirmation, you know, talking with people, how it buoys us in a different way. And I just, I would love it for you to share that, that little factoid with us. Yeah. There's a study which found that when you become happy, somebody in proximity to you has a 25% greater chance of becoming happy. Happiness spreads socially. Um, it's like, you know, we are not islands unto ourselves. And when we recognize that we have this incredible power, just by the way we carry ourselves, by the way, just smiling at somebody you, do, you don't know in the course of your day can change the whole trajectory of their mood of their day. And if we recognize that power more, and the research is telling us we should recognize the power of that more. The same is true, you mentioned social media. So when people are seeing positive news stories in their feeds, they're more likely to post positive status updates, positive content. The positive things that you post on Instagram, on Facebook, can influence someone many cities away you don't even know and and change the the tone of their mood for that day based on social networking research. So um, it is it it really drives home the point that we are all interconnected. Mm -hmm. right? We we are uh, reliant upon each other and uh, taking this world in a, in a more positive direction uh, toward growth, or we can take it down in a negative direction. And but just realizing that we have that level of influence mm -hmm. um, is, is such a powerful recognition. It has been for me. Well, and I think in this society, especially since COVID, we love to talk about contagion and like how things can spread, but we forget that just as they can spread negatively, whether it's a disease or a thought process, or I, I'm, I'm just going to use the example of like Nazi Germany, you know, like that was a very... Uh, destructive movement, but we actually have the ability to take it to the other end of the spectrum and spread positivity like Gandhi and Nelson Mandela and, you know, those types of people. But all of us have that within us, which I find the most fascinating is that we think that we've got to wait for this special person or thing to come along and, and spread this change that we want to see in our lives. But actually we have the power to do that just by embracing happiness and embracing possibility and then just literally standing next to someone and saying, you look really nice today and how that can change the, the butterfly effect, which I'm a huge fan of, um, always from a positive perspective. You never know where somebody is in their day. And it's 
so amazing to see when that spreads in a positive way. So I just wanted everybody out there to know that when you do something good, it is spreading to other people in a way that you probably never realized. Um, And it's such a gift, such a gift. And it's funny too, because, you know, I I don't know how much you know about trees, um, but trees, uh, no matter how far apart they're planted, underneath they're all connected to one another it's a and metaphor. Yeah. yeah and if a tree is dying like let's use a forest for instance a tree is dying somehow uh in the research it's it's sending a signal to the other trees and the other trees will actually nurse that tree back to health they will send it more nutrients it's fascinating and we as people do that too but just like trees the connections seem somewhat invisible but they're so powerful when they're utilized properly. And I just feel like your seven week program is so powerful in demonstrating that and actually letting us put on some like x-ray vision to see those connections more clearly and the power that we have to change behavior. And to practice that connection because it may not come naturally to, and I talk about this in week seven, expand the boundaries of our love. It really is a kind of selfless love when we're helping um, our our fellow men and women, our fellow human beings evolve in positive ways and to feel good. And we can have a sense of a unity consciousness when we get quiet and we practice meta meditation which is loving kindness meditation and imagining that you are sending loving thoughts and feelings toward the entire world. If you can picture your love being able to express itself beyond the known boundaries of, of time and space, um, that has been a powerful meditation for me and getting in touch with the capacity to bring in embrace more of the world and more of the people in this world. And and I think that that is a practice that can be transformative for our society because we tend to be sometimes self-focused and isolative, especially after the pandemic. You know, so many of us are feeling lonely and apart from one another. We really need to, I think, make it an intentional practice to expand our hearts I love that. And I also, it made me think of something that a leader told me recently, and it was, I'm not enjoying seeing the change in pronouns. And I was like, what? And he said, I went to Disney World recently and an employee, there there was a mess. And I mentioned something about, oh, you know, this needs to be cleaned up. And the person at the park said, oh, they just tell me to do blah, blah, blah. And he said that was very interesting that the pronoun at Disney had changed instead of what it used to be, which was we and us, we are so sorry for this. We will make sure this is, you know, righted or whatever to, oh, they told me to do that. That was their decision, them. And I feel like in society, that's just what's happening all over the place because it's very easy to separate yourself and say those people doing that thing. And I personally do something that helps me. And I believe you talked about this too, where if I find myself in that place where I'm trying to separate, 
I always end the sentence either mentally or out loud with just like me. Because even when somebody is angry, pissed off, says something mean to you, if I add just like me to that, whatever I'm thinking, I realize, you know what, if I was provoked, I would probably act the same way. And then all all of a sudden I see our similarities, which brings me closer to that person. I'm not saying I necessarily agree with what was said or whatever, but all of a sudden I'm connected to them. And when you're connected to someone, you feel connected in any way, shape, or form. Gosh, that just has the power to let go of some of that otherness that we like to throw out there. Um, And I feel like we've lost some of that um, and we need to bring it back. And I think that begins with uh, an openness and curiosity within of wanting to step into another person's worldview and their experience and try to capture a bit of what life might be like for for them and understand that and convey that understanding. That is the foundation of empathy. Uh, And when you think about becoming a positive leader or a more positive leader, I think a lot goes toward this idea of how do we listen to others? How do we open our heart to others? Even if it may not be something that necessarily either benefits us or is transactional um, just for the sake of being there for somebody else. Um, The best leaders are the leaders who create cultures of empathy in their organizations. And I'm a big believer and a lot of my practice as a psychologist has been focused around how can we, what are the skills that somebody can use to develop greater empathic attunement? to the people that they guide, that they lead. And it begins with openness, unconditional positive regard, not labeling, non-judgment, um, having that loving kindness, compassionate spirit, extending that outward. And then finding through reflective listening, a way of connecting and conveying, this is what I'm hearing it's like for you in this situation. And reflective listening is that is the cornerstone for deeper connections, more trusting connections between leaders and uh, the and the organizations of people that depend on them for guidance. I love that, and I think we lose that sometimes because we get focused on, oh my God, Scott, I got to make more money. Like I gotta, I gotta get this thing out. I, I feel like we embrace scarcity in a way because that's really what that like kind of hinges on. But to your point, if you just leave space for empathy and understanding, uh, you get to know your people better. Uh, you get to understand who they really are, what they're passionate about. And I feel like when you get the beautiful opportunity to see somebody for who they really are and give them space to be that person, oh, it's just a treasure. It's a treasure. And I, I just... I love everything that you say. Um, What Scott did when we were at this event is he gave everyone sticky notes and had us write notes to one another, um, even to ourselves about what we valued in other people. And, you know, thank you for your time. Um, All of us throughout the year had helped each other with all sorts of things. But then Scott wrote each of us a note and I still have mine because it was absolutely beautiful. And just for you to have taken the time to do that shows that you truly practice what you preach. 
Um, but I, I feel like we've lost this, right? Like I remember as a kid, my grandmother used to write me letters and she lived like 20 minutes away. Like I saw her regularly, but she would write little notes in the mail and send them to me. And at the time I was like, oh, this is so lame. And now I treasure the fact that she did that handwritten, you know, you're so special, you know, saying all these things. And I just feel like you're, you're bringing all this back to us. And I, I think that we've forgotten some of it. So I just think it's amazing that you're helping us remember this. And also that this started for you in seventh grade. Because I don't know about you, but I don't know a single person on earth who's like, middle school was amazing. I loved every moment of it. Uh, My daughter's actually 10. She'll be in middle school next year. And she keeps talking about how excited she is about it. And my husband and I are like, okay, well, it can be fun. But there's a lot of change that happens, relationships, our bodies, like we're we're going through this whole like, great, we're excited. And you touched on it so beautifully, where you can come out of that dark period, bullying, whatever, two different ways. You can come out bitter or you can come out better. And I love that you took, I'm sure what was bitterness in the moment and turned it into not only making yourself better, but becoming a conduit for others to understand how their bitterness can actually turn better as well. And I just, wow, more more people should be doing that. Well, it makes me so happy that the kindness note exercise had that impact. Um, I, I love to see them when we each of us sparks another person to feel good about themselves. Um, it, it is the greatest gift right? It is the the turning point potentially for that person looking at their future and themselves in a whole different way. So we're, we're starting that upward spiral. Barbara Fredrickson, who's done a lot of research in uh, the field of positive emotions, talks about the idea that when we feel good, it opens up our thinking, doing pathways so that we're able to be more creative, more flexible thinkers, and then we pull in more resources into our lives because of it, mm-hmm. um, whether they're spiritual or social resources, or we start looking for a new job because we're feeling good from something else that happened. And then as a result of having those additional resources, we then experience more positive feelings, which help our overall sense of well-being increase our problem-solving ability, our creativity, and you can see how this just continues to move up and up and up and open us to the full potential that we have within us. So, And it begins with these little tiny glimmers, right? Sometimes the little embers of a kind note to somebody, a kind word. Uh, I would invite your, your listeners right now to think of one kind thing they might say to somebody today and just reflect on it. Notice how that act of kindness, that very small act of kindness makes you feel and also maybe how what the impact is on, on the person who receives that kind thought. Um, very, and, you, you know, negative experience, sometimes positive psychology gets um, a bit of a, a bad reputation because there's the assumption that it minimizes the value of negative experience, of stress in life, of trauma, of difficult things that happen to us. It kind of puts it in a box and saying, well, you know, we should ignore it or push it away. When in reality, what positive psychology is saying is that we need more of a balance between the negative things that happen to us, which are going to happen, and a focus 
on the good in life, which we we become imbalanced because of our tendency to hone in on what's going wrong, mm-hmm. where things aren't working out, you know, what are my perceived flaws as a person? And that's like a whirlpool, right? It's tough sometimes to get out of that whirlpool. And if you've experienced significant depression in your life or significant anxiety or other uh, mental health um, challenges like I have, that negativity effect is exponentially magnified. So there's a lot of work that it takes. It's not like flipping a switch, um, but it's also trying to bring meaning out of dark places, finding what does this say about who I want to be in the future? You know, what are my values? You know, when when I was uh, very young, I, um, I have an older brother and he's four years older than me. And while I was growing up, uh, you know, he would torment me like older brothers sometimes do that they're younger siblings and, you know, wrestling and putting, putting me in headlocks. And oftentimes I would get so upset. I'd run down to my parents, my, my father in particular, one day said, well, don't be so insensitive. Don't be so sensitive. Mm-hmm. And I was taken aback by that because look, I was seeking justice. I was seeking, you know, somebody coming to my, coming to my defense and why I was hurt by that. And I felt like he was minimizing the emotional, my emotional attunement uh, being that young. And at the same time, he, I think he was trying to tell me that what I want for you is to be able to manage stressful events in your life in effective ways on your own without relying necessarily on others. And I only like now as an adult kind of see that message that he was trying to show me, probably not in the best way um, at that point. And so that that is, and the reason I, I tell you that story is because it really exemplifies that there's a lot we can learn about our our mess ups, our steps backward, um, oftentimes looking in the mirror and seeing what are the values I didn't fulfill today mm-hmm. is a recalibration. I talk about in this in the book, the this values positioning system that we all have that can redirect us and re-guide us if we're only looking for it, right? If we do that values assessment, if we don't close up and say, well, I, you know, I just can't change, you know, I'm just, this is the way it's going to be. Some of those defeating thoughts, right, can really get in the way. Um, So we have a lot to learn from our, the negative side of life. And at the same time, we can be very, very mindful of where our attentional spotlight is in in any given moment. And that's been one of those, the most profound shifts in my understanding of well-being and happiness and how to help others is where what meaning are you creating? And then where are you placing your attention and how, what questions are you asking yourself? Oh my gosh, that is so true. And I, I personally have gone through all of this. Um, One thing that happened to me in my career was I kept hiring the wrong people Uh, that, that this was my story, by the way, this was the story that I had in my head. I am hiring the wrong people. Good were good. People are hard to find. Um, nobody can work as hard as me. Nobody can learn this like I do. Nobody's as great as this, right? And if that's back to your, you're saying like that limited thinking, if that's what you are thinking, then that's what you will continue to see. And so actually I, 
at one point was so pissed with the situation that I locked myself in my office at work and I pulled up a Word document and I wrote at the top, dream employee. And I started writing things like, they will never be late. They will never da da da. And everything was, they don't do this. They don't say this. And I looked at this after I wrote like three or four bullets. And I was like, actually, I'm just talking about what I don't want. I'm not being clear on the opposite of what I actually do want. And it's really easy, right? To talk about what I don't want, right? Like, I don't want this and I don't want that. I'm very clear on that. It's so much harder to talk about what you do want because sometimes we haven't seen it. So we don't know what it looks like. So I deleted everything in this document. And then I wrote, they will always be on time. They will. And then it started flowing with what they would say, how they would interact with me, what kind of projects we would be working on, their excitement level. Um, I mean, I ended up with two pages and I looked at this document so excited, like, oh, finally. And then I got real scared because I realized if these people show up, am I the right person to lead them? Because at that very moment, I was not. I was there. I was I was all over the place. I was looking for everyone else to fix when really I was the one who had to fix everything, right? And in my own life, I had to take accountability. And so I actually took about a month to really decide what type of leader do I want to be? How do I want to show up for these people? And what was so wild about it, and the reason I love exactly what you preach in this book, and you're not preaching, but I I loved it, uh, was that you get out of the world what you put into it. And you get to see and live what you want to see and live. And over the course of 90 days, I was able to hire a new group of people. Not all of them were brand new and trained them, loved them. I showed up very different. I, I showed up as somebody who was serving them. My goal was to support, serve, guide them. And I called them in my office after they'd been on board for, I think it was about like 30, 60 days. And I pulled up my dream employee document and I started reading it to them. And they looked at each other and they were like, why did you write down things that we say to you? That's weird. <laughs> and I said, it would be weird, except that I wrote this before I met you. And they were all like, you've got to be kidding me. And I said, no, I truly believe now after this exercise that whatever you want is on the other side of positive clarity. And we don't do enough of that. So I, I inspire anyone who's on the other side of this, first of all, to get a happier you, this amazing book, a seven week program to transform negative thinking into positive positivity and resilience by Scott Glassman. And I will put a link to it in the show notes, but just start thinking about what could go right today. And all the things that maybe have gone wrong, what they're put in your life to teach you. Because I think we're all in this giant classroom where every day we get this amazing opportunity to learn. And I feel so blessed that for three days, Scott Glassman was my teacher and will continue to be as I read this book and I get to have it on my bookshelf. And I'm one of those people that I usually read the same book a couple times a year. <laughs> uh, when I find something that I love, I find if you read it once, you get little nuggets. When you read it twice, you read completely different things. When you read it three times, 
oh my gosh, did I read this book before? It feels so different. It's like each time you're shown a different lesson. So I just feel really lucky that I get to keep this book and and have you as a, a guide in my my own life. So thank you so much, Scott. Where can people find you on, on the internet? Well, Emily, first of all, I'm so grateful for you and for all of the kindness uh, that you've shown me. And I'm inspired by how you were unafraid in that example to picture your ideal state uh, for your business, for yourself even, and go into that territory. I think we oftentimes feel a little bit worried that, oh, if I think about exactly what I want, I'll be disappointed. I'll be just let down in some way. But it really is important to free ourselves to dream of the possibilities that already reside within us. Like the flower already resides within the seed. It needs those nurturing conditions of the soil, the sunlight, the rain, the warmth in order to blossom into that more ideal state. And writing down what you want, the vision that you have was inviting those conditions to come around that seed and ultimately you you saw the blossom of uh, of that in your business and in and, and in your life and i'm so uh excited for you around that and anybody who takes some time to begin to craft the vision craft the vision write write down the values that you have and the specifics that you want to see come from those values, grow from those values. So people can find me uh, on on my website, scottglassman.com. On Instagram, that's a great way to connect with me. So at Scott David Glass uh, is my handle on Instagram. And um, yeah, I, I really, I love talking to people on Instagram, meeting new people. That's how I met uh, James and got connected with the mastermind. And, you know, it, it's interesting the pathways that we find just serendipitously. And then we find ourselves with wonderful people and we're guided in new directions and exciting directions. So um, yeah, so drop me a DM. I'll be glad to glad to talk with you more. Well, and your stories, I love your stories Um, on Instagram. He does these, you know, things to remind you to be present. It's just little, I feel like little vignettes of what you do in your seven week program. And it's just so beautiful and sharing the gratitude and the love. And then, you know, being, I I truly believe in stillness and silence. I meditate every single day. Um, I used to not do that because I thought it was unproductive. Uh, And it's actually the most productive thing I do during the day to just sit in silence and receive versus trying to put out in the world, all the things all the time. Uh, And your book just so eloquently shares not only again, this is why I love you. Not only do you share what you should do, but you share the research as to why it's effective. I personally love some research. I'm the person that needs those statistics. The data is important. Oh, it's so important. It's like, if I say to you, like, you should brush your teeth every day, right? Like you should just brush your teeth. Um, I mean, I'm sure you'll brush your teeth, but it's because you know the data behind why brushing your teeth is so important every single day. Um, and I think that's why all of us do it, right? We do things because of the the science and the studies that have been done on, on lifestyle and all of that. So your book beautifully shares what I think is something in the past that has felt a little bit intangible. And you've added some tangibility to it to make me see how to do it 
but also why it's so important and effective. So thank you again for that beautiful gift. And thank you for your time today. Um, It has been such a pleasure talking with you. It's been a great pleasure talking with you, Emily, and I hope we can do it again. This is great. Thank you. Most definitely. Did you love what you heard today and you want to go deeper? I'm starting a movement of leaders and I want you to be a part of it. Join my free leadership operating system group for small business owners and their key leaders. What you'll learn in this free group I've never shared publicly before. Every week I'll share live stream trainings and valuable resources focused on the three leadership pillars, creating visionary white space to become the front runner in your industry, the best tactics for leading your team to produce epic work in your business, and simple process improvements that could save you thousands in expenses. If you'd like to get out of the weeds and in the vision of your business, tap the link in the show notes. I can't wait to see you there.